Good evening, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Good. Uh, so I heard some chatter of some people asking, you know, what's going to involve the messy game and things like that? Just give you a couple of hints. Um, let's just say ice cream will be involved, um, shaving cream. Um, Is this going to be I can't, I can't, can't say everything, but I will say bring clothes that you're okay with getting dirty and uh, change of clothes as well because it's going to be a, uh, a messy night. Um, so I'm Pastor Mike, and whether you're a new first-time guest or a returning guest, we are glad that you are here this evening. Uh, we are in week four of our series called Hear Me Roar. And over the last three weeks, we discussed how uh, Daniel and his friends were able to fill up on God, be bold for God, and find peace with God, even things when, when things got tough. And if you've missed some of the sermons over the last couple of weeks, I'm sorry I don't have the first sermon because we started SoundCloud a couple of weeks ago. But if you want to go back and listen to them, highly suggest you go to the SoundCloud app or SoundCloud website, search Elevate Youth, and you can listen back to uh, the sermons. Not because I thought I preached well, but I feel like the content to those messages are very good and very helpful on how we can be bold and faithful to God. And so tonight our topic of discussion will be focus, focusing on what it looks like to accept God, but not only accept Him and have the head knowledge of who He is, but how we can act in obedience to Him as well. But before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for this evening. I thank you for every individual that is here, Lord God. And I thank you for this series that you've uh, brought us through as we learn to continue to be bold and act for you, Lord God. I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you take... Uh, control of my mouth, Lord God. I pray that it is your words and not mine that are through this message, Lord. And I just pray for all of us, including myself, that we can take this message and go out and apply it and act for your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as I was preparing the sermon, um, there were some quotes that I found, and uh, I just want to share three of them with you real quickly. They're not going to be on the screen, but just want you guys to listen to them and let them sink in for a moment. First one, the first two are by unknown sources. So, first one says, Too many Christians are singing standing on the promises while they are just sitting on the premises. Visions without action is just a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Vision with action can change the world. Evangelical Christians tend to have a lot of religion in their hearts, a good bit in their heads, but not much in their feet. And Christianity that doesn't walk around in shoes isn't worth much. Jerry Cook. Let those sink in for a moment. Because over the last three weeks, we've seen Daniel and his friends act. We see them act on their faith in God. And their actions took a lot of courage, it took a lot of trust, and it took a lot of faith in God and how He would come through no matter the outcome. Their goal was to always glorify God, And tonight, I want to shift our focus a little bit. We're going to leave the Old Testament. We're actually going to go into the New Testament. And we're going to look at the life of one of the first century church leaders, the Apostle Paul. And for those who don't know who Paul is, Paul was also known as Saul at one time. Um, And you'll see that through the scriptures uh, when you read the book of Acts. But I'm just telling you, we're going with the name Paul tonight. All right? And Paul was a prestige Jewish leader. He studied the Jewish scriptures, what we consider, what we call them, the Old Testament scriptures today. He was a wise teacher, and he was even considered to be the next high priest in the synagogues. 
And after Jesus' death and resurrection, the first century church took off. After Pentecost came and every one of the apostles received the Holy Spirit, Peter preached a sermon to about 120,000 people, and 3,000 people that day came to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And while that was taking off, that upset a lot of the Jewish leaders, including the Apostle Paul. And so he, took, he did things to stop the church, one of which he, he was in the process of helping seeing a young man named Stephen be killed. And he also received orders from the Jewish leaders to go out and take men and women who followed Jesus Christ out of their house and throw them into jail. And one day, however, Paul's life was about to drastically change. The disciple Luke tells us in his letter to Theophilus in the book of Acts the events that transpired to Paul. So we're in Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to be jumping around in, in the book of Acts, so, but all the verses will be up on the screen. So Acts chapter 9, verses 3, 3 through 6 say the following. As he, Paul, traveled, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and majesty of Christ. And he fell on the ground and heard a voice from heaven saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Paul, who we can consider a terrorist, someone who would be considered in today's age an ISIS leader, who was trying to kill and destroy the church, had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And verses tell us later that Paul actually had to be led into Damascus by those who were following him because he was blind from the uh, event that happened. And so while they were traveling into Damascus, there was actually a disciple there named Ananias. And Jesus appeared to Ananias telling him to go visit Paul, place his hands, and help him regain his sight. I don't know about you, I'd probably be acting like Ananias in that moment be like, um, Jesus, uh, don't you remember this guy is trying to kill us? But Jesus affirmed Ananias and he told him that he deliberately chose Paul as an instrument for the kingdom of God. Verse 17 and 18 tells us the following. So Ananias left and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came to Damascus, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to proclaim Christ to both Jews and Gentiles. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and, he bat and was baptized. So the very first step in acting when it comes to following Jesus Christ is to actually accept him as your Lord and Savior, and make that public declaration. And we see that Paul did take that first step. And then he decided to take the second step, and that was to start sharing or preaching the message of Jesus. But I'll be completely honest, it wasn't going easy for him at first. Latter verses in 19 to 22 in chapter 9 say the following. For several days afterwards, Saul remained with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, saying, This man is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Think about this. He's, he was literally trying to stop this, and now he's going into synagogues and saying, 
This Jesus, he's the Messiah. And we see, we see what the people in Damascus are saying. All those who hear him continue to be amazed and said, Is this not the man who in Jerusalem attacked those who called on the name of Jesus and had come here to Damascus for the express purpose of bringing them bound with chains before the chief priest? But Saul increased in strength more and more and continued to perplex the Jews who lived in Damascus by examining theological evidence and proving with Scripture that this Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. See, once Paul made the public declaration, I am following Jesus, he immediately, because of his knowledge in the, in the Jewish scriptures, he was able to put some connections together, and immediately he's starting to go out and share his faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I can really relate to how Paul was being treated afterwards. How many of you who have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the first time you tried to share to someone, it Maybe it didn't go very well. Can you think of that time yet? Yeah, right? right? I, can, I can think for the moment, the, the night I got saved, uh, for some of you that don't remember, uh, I got saved in New York. I was an admissions counselor, and I, it was right before a college fair. So after the college fair, I go into my hotel and that, and I call my mom. And I, you know, she, I was checking in, see how everyone's doing with the family, and, and we're talking. She's like, so what, what big happened today? And I'm like, Mom, you're never going to believe this. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We, I have a personal relationship with him. I'm so excited. And, he, and she, I, here's a silence. Mike, you okay? What are you talking about? Oh, Mom, it's great. Like, Jesus is my Messiah. Like, uh, I feel so much better. I have this peace about me, and I know great things are going to happen. And she's like, Mike. I think she thought I went off my, fell off the rocker or something at this point. She's like, are you okay? But again, this was, and it was hard for me to explain because of the emotion of how I felt. Maybe some of you can relate when you first accepted Jesus and you went public with your faith and people are like looking at you like you have two heads. Or maybe you're like a dog running around in circles trying to catch your tail. <laughs> And here's the thing, sometimes, and maybe for some of you, maybe you, you have a past where it was tough for people to actually believe you. Um, maybe people didn't want anything to do with you once you made the decision. And maybe some of you felt a little discouraged because of that. And, and let's be honest, Paul could have as well, but the difference between Paul, between Paul and maybe some of us in here is that Paul decided to press on. See, when things got tough, Paul got going. And we see here, as he continued to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, his ministry started to flourish, and people started coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Chapter 14 in Acts tells us the following. Now in Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went into the Jewish synagogues together and spoke in such a way, with such power and boldness, that a large number of Jews, as well as Greeks, believed and confidently accepted Jesus as Savior. So something we can take away from that is even though things may not be, seem like they're going well right now, maybe, you're, maybe you've been sharing the message, sharing the message, and you're like, no one is accepting Jesus yet. I don't understand what's going on. Am I doing anything wrong? No, maybe not, not you. Scriptures tell us that those who don't want to hear the truth are either blind to the truth or deaf to the truth. So it's just our job to continue planting the seeds, planting the seeds, planting the seeds, and hopefully one day we'll see that they get watered. And even though... We see here as Paul pressed forward and he had the success and we're starting to see thousands of people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He still had his critics. How many of you have critics? Right? We, I think we all have critics at some point in our life. Verse 2 to 3 and chapter 14 share the information about some of the critics Paul had and how he, he and Barnabas had to handle them. 
But the unbelieving Jews who rejected Jesus as Messiah stirred up and embittered the minds of the Gentiles against the believers. So Paul and Barnabas stayed for a long time, speaking boldly and confidently for the Lord, who continued to testify the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders, attesting miracles be done by them. I love that. I love the part where it says they continued... They continued to speak boldly for him. They didn't know, there was never a point where they were like, you know, shoot, no one's really, no one's really liking us now. Everyone thinks we're, woo-woo. Maybe some of you think I'm woo-woo by doing that, but. Um, <laughs> so they spoke boldly and confidently. And never once did Paul and his friends get upset or angry or bitter at the fact that no one was trying to um, stop them. To even the point his critics tried to kill Paul. Yeah. Acts, Acts 14, 19-21 say the following. But Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. But the disciples formed a circle around him, and he got up and went into the city. And the next day he went on with Barnabas to, to Derby. They preached the good news to that city and made many disciples. So think about this. You got all the disciples around Paul, who's, I don't know if he's, how he's laying down, but he looks dead. He's bloodied. Like When we say they tried to stone him, I'm not saying they threw some pebbles. They threw some big stones at, at him. And he's all bloody and probably like, Paul, what happened to Paul? And I can imagine this. All the, he just pops up, wipes the blood off his face, off the dirt off his shoulders, and keeps on going. Never once was he like, well, we should stop now. Well, I almost died for the cost of Christ. Probably should stop now. No! He got up, he went going, and that's, that's toughness. That's strength. That's boldness. And yes, here in America we're not being persecuted, but we do have brothers and sisters across the world who are being persecuted for their faith. For every day when they walk out of their house, they are concerned about their lives. And we in America, we're in front of Netflix and we're like, man, I hope my friends don't make fun of me because I'm a Jesus follower. Too tough? (laughs) That was tough on me. And see, I say that because we get, I think we get so easily offended these days because no one agrees with us. No one agrees with the, quote, popular opinion. But can I tell you something? Scripture tells us that not everyone's going to agree with us. No one wants to agree because no one wants to bow down and accept a king and a lord as their savior. And sometimes I think we get in our heads, well... If they're not going to like me for everything, what if I just pick and choose scriptures? What if I live out as a situational Christian? I'll I'll love this part of scripture, but I won't love this part of scripture. Here's the thing, you can't live that way. See, if you're reading the Bible and you believe, oh, I believe in heaven, you can't say you don't believe in hell. If you say, oh, I believe in honoring my mother and father, you can't disobey their rules in the household. If you say, oh, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman because that's what God said, but then you're saying homosexuality is okay, you can't do that either. See, you're either one way or you're another way. Probably should slow down. 
Because <laughs> here's, here's the thing. No, we live in a culture today where we feel like we have to be accepted by everyone and everyone's got to get their own opinion and everyone, we got to make everyone happy and feel loved and everyone feel okay. It's not okay. It's not working. We see the chaos. We see the destruction going on. And I'm just saying we need to stop acting like babies and play offense and get out there and share the light of Jesus Christ. So here, so here, and, and Paul, Paul does a great job of sharing this in Romans 1.16 because sometimes I think we'll feel this way. We'll feel like, man, because I'm a Jesus follower, I've got to feel ashamed for my belief. I've got to feel bad for my beliefs. No. Rome te- R- Paul tells us in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation from His wrath and punishment to everyone who believes in Christ as Savior, to the Jews first, and to also the Greeks and to the Gentiles and everyone across the world. It's like this. If you had the cure for cancer and you decide not to share it with anyone, that's not being loving. That's the same way when we decide, oh, I'm afraid to not share the message of God. That's the same way when we decide not to stand for the moral authority of God. It's Again, it's time for the 21st century church to learn from the 1st century church and take a stand for Jesus Christ's kingdom. And so as we close and we get ready for a time of worship in small groups, you'll see that I've put some cards on your uh, seats. And if you guys in the couch didn't get them, um, some of the leaders want to give them to them that, that are in our empty seats. It's time to make a call for action. It's time for the 21st century church to act and spreading the light of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're here today and... You don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you're here today, you know who Jesus is, but you you haven't been living for Jesus. Or maybe you're in here and you have been living for Jesus and you're deciding, it's time to do more. I want to read this, what I call the Christian Manifesto here for you. And if you have your card, you can read it along with me. And it says this, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor by His power. I won't give up, shut up, or let let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. So maybe you're here tonight and tonight you're like, I know God, but I don't know him. I want to have that personal relationship with Jesus. I encourage you to, to sign that card and circle the part where it says accepting Jesus for the first time and hand it to one of your small group leaders or hand it to the leaders during that time of worship and prayer because we want to pray for you. We want to help you take that next steps. Or maybe you're someone in here, you realize, you know, I know God, but I've been, I've been like the, uh, the son who just stepped away for a while and you want to come back. 
circle this card. Or maybe you're someone here who's like, I'm ready to take the next step of being trained as a disciple. What are the resources I can do? Circle that card. Or maybe you just want to keep the card and remind yourself of this manifesto every time you're feeling discouraged, every time you're feeling down, or every time someone you feel like is making fun of you for your belief. Go back to this and remind yourselves of who you are because at the end of the day, we're fighting for eternity. We're fighting to help other people understand Jesus Christ and His kingdom. So let's pray. Father, I thank You for this night. I thank You for every individual that is in here this evening, Lord. Father, we just come humbly to You. First and foremost, asking for forgiveness at any point in our walk with You that we've been situational with You. Yes, there are things that we read in the Bible we don't understand and we question and, we, and sometimes it can throw us off. But as mere humans, there are things in the Bible where we're going to say, you know what, I don't know. But when we have that chance to be with you, when we have the moment to be with you in heaven, that's when we'll grasp and understand who you truly are as God. And if there's someone in here tonight who hasn't known you or hasn't accepted you as, your Lord, and Savior, as, Lord, you as Lord and Savior tonight, Lord God, I pray that you continue to knock at the doors of their heart, Lord God. I pray that they have the courage and the conviction to stand boldly for you and say, I'm going public with my faith today. And if there's any of us in here who have maybe wandered off the narrow path, or maybe some of us are who want to take that next step, but we're not sure how to share the message, God, can you just, can you just let the peace of your Spirit come into their hearts and knowing that we can learn together? Because I don't have the answers. The leaders don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers. But we can come collectively together, learning from each other, continuing being in Your Word, praying with You, worshiping to You, Lord Jesus, and knowing that You will give us the strength through the Holy Spirit like You gave Paul to continue pressing forward, Jesus. The 21st century church needs to spread Your light more than ever. The world needs You, even though they are barking and yelling and screaming that they don't need You. They need You more than ever. So give us the boldness, give us the courage, give us the trust and faith in you to act. Not just have all the head knowledge, not just come here every night thinking we're doing great things. Don't get me wrong, being here is important. But we need to also go, act and, go out and act and share in the gospel message and help those come to know you as Lord and Savior. And we thank you, Jesus, and I pray this all in your heavenly name. Amen.